Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. So I just want to encourage you that even being here today, right now, in this moment, this is a witness and a testimony that Jesus is King. The reason why you're sitting here today is because you're recognizing that Jesus is King. And so it's such an encouragement to be with you this morning to study God's Word once again. And as you know, we're in the book of Galatians. So please take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Galatians. We're going to continue our study through this important epistle that Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia. And we're going to turn to chapter 5, and we're going to read from verse 1 again. And last week we started looking at verses 2 to 5. And today we're going to specifically slow down to think about what God has to say for us through verse 6, and the importance of faith working through love. So please, let's read together from Galatians Chapter 5, and we'll start in reading in verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus... Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. I was reading a book again this week that reminded me that one of the most important things we must learn and teach our children is that none of us were made to be the center of the universe. You and I were not made to live our lives where we constantly think about ourselves and be so busy trying to get what we want in this life that a lot of what we are doing is mainly focused on us. And the reason why we can't be the center of everything is because that position is already taken. That spot as being the most important person in the room, is already taken by someone else. Because as you look at the rest of the world and everything that exists around us, along with the truth of the Bible, then you realize that Jesus 
is the only one that is at the center of everything. Which is actually good news for us. This is a great thing for us, right? Because He is the only one who can handle that position. We can't handle being at the center of the universe because that is not what we were created for. Even though we fight for that position every single day. You see, it's only when you come to know by faith Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the one who does hold all things together, that we recognize that we were made for something more than just loving ourselves and living for ourselves. Which means, it's only once God is the main character and the main reality of your life, that your life starts to make sense. And if living for Jesus is your focus, by faith on what He has done, then you don't have to try and work to make life happen on your own. Which means you are free to live for what matters most. You are free to live for what God has made you to live for in the first place. Because the problem with our broken hearts is that sin leaves us with a sense of feeling incomplete. Something is missing. And the problem is we try to fill that with the wrong stuff. By ourselves. It's like when you get hungry. You feel something is missing in your body, and you need something to fill that feeling. And so what do you do? You work to find a way to satisfy that feeling of hunger with food. And sometimes you get so desperate to satisfy that feeling of what is lacking, that some people might even go through the drive through at McDonald's. No judgment if that's what you do. Which means you must be really desperate, right? But the thing is, all of us should have a hunger for God, a hunger for what is holy and righteous, but instead, what do we do? We have a hunger for ourselves. We are committed to loving ourselves. But what does the truth of the gospel say? Well, the Bible says without true saving faith in Jesus alone, instead of having a hunger for righteousness, we rather have a hunger for self-righteousness. Which is what the book of Galatians has been teaching us, actually. That people try to fill their incompleteness by thinking they must do more to fill what is missing. To feel as if their relationship with God is getting fuller by trusting in what they can do to fill it up. But what Galatians has also been teaching us is that Jesus is the one who makes himself known to you. Jesus Christ is the one who opens your eyes to how incomplete and broken you really are because of your love for yourself and your love for your sin. That the only way you can make Him truly the main character of your life and to live for what is most important is if He supernaturally fills your life with Himself. In other words, the only reason we can know God by faith is because God wants us to know Him. Which is pretty amazing if you think about it. God actually wants you to know Him. 
Because God is busy fixing what man has broken, and He does that through the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And when we trust completely in what Christ has done for us, only then can we start to do what Christ has made us to do. Which is to love Him and bring glory to Him by loving other people. Jesus says, here's the summary of the law, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. See, by recognizing and trusting how much God has done for us in Christ and filled us with His Spirit, it has a result that we were set free from ourselves so that we can actually love other people. Having a faith that takes action to do what God has made us to do because that faith is powered by God Himself. In other words, having a faith that works. Having a faith that works. All throughout Christianity and Christian history, there's been this confusion and this tension between people trying to work to earn God's love versus people who recognize what love they have been given in Christ, and then as a result, they overflow in love towards those around them. In other words, there's a relationship between faith and works that if understood correctly helps us to live for what matters most. Paul helped us last week to consider some serious warnings for anyone who is trusting in what they do to be right with God rather than trusting in Jesus alone. And specifically in the Galatian context, he referred to what? Circumcision. Circumcision, because the Jewish false teachers had a faith that stopped them from loving others because they were so consumed with who is circumcised and who is not, thinking they have secured God's promised blessing because of this physical act, that they were not living for what matters most. They were simply living for themselves. And Paul gave three serious warnings saying that if you're going to make such a big deal about circumcision or any works of the law that you make it a requirement for salvation, then listen carefully, he says, what Christ did in his life, death and resurrection means nothing to you. No value to you. When you stand before God on judgment day, then you're going to be standing there alone. Because if you're going to trust in how well you are keeping the rules, then you have to keep all of them. And if you go down that road, then you cut yourself off from the grace there is in Christ. And then as a result, those trusting in themselves, who are cutting themselves off from the supply of grace in Jesus, will be falling away from grace. Because they're getting the relationship between faith and works wrong. But those who do understand the right relationship between grace and faith and works, Paul says, they also sense a different kind of incompleteness they have. Because Christians who trust in Jesus alone sense that they want to be perfectly holy in everything they do. But they still, in their everyday lives, find ways to love themselves more than God and others. 
And they know that this is not how it's supposed to be. And so there's this hopeful longing in believers that one day that will change completely. Which means, as we said last week, Christians are waiting. We're waiting. Because the Christian faith is a waiting faith. Waiting eagerly with an assured hope for the day that is coming where what you believe now, that Jesus is your moment by moment righteousness before the Father, is going to be made public to the rest of the world. Where your faith is going to be made sight. No more confusion. No more doubts. Everyone will know that you trust in Jesus alone. And that because of Jesus, God is going to say, Righteous. Righteous. You see, the truth of the gospel of Christ alone causes me to give up my hopelessness in self-righteousness for a hope of perfect righteousness. Because Christianity is not just about sinning less. It's about living for what we were created for. And what Paul is saying today is that what you believe has a direct impact on what you do. What you believe has a direct impact on what you do. God is restoring His righteousness to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. And what you believe about what Jesus did for you gives you a faith that responds to the love of Christ by doing what God has made you to do. And according to Paul, that is what matters most. And Paul talks about this here in verse 6. Because not only do we need to listen to the warnings and stand firm in our Christian freedom, we also need to wait. But as we wait in Christ for the future day of perfect righteousness, believing and trusting that we already have the righteousness of Jesus now, Paul says we also work in Christ. Because the faith we have is a faith that works through love. And if we are going to live for what matters most, then we need to make sure that we understand the relationship between faith and works. And to do that, we need to look at Galatians 5, 6 here today and see that if you are in Christ, then your faith is going to be a faith that works not to earn God's love, but to show God's love. Which means your faith cannot be a self-righteous faith. That's going to be point number one. A faith that works is not a self-righteous faith. Because this is what Paul says. Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. You see, when dealing with this issue of people who are trusting in the physical act of circumcision, Paul is saying something very, very important here. He says, for, this contract, for in Christ Jesus. In other words, if someone is in Christ and they are clothed with Christ, then being circumcised means absolutely nothing. You don't need it. Because Paul's trying to show the Galatians what does not count 
when you're living for what matters most because you can't improve on what you already have been given in Jesus. Because think about it. How can anyone improve your account with God when Jesus is what you already have by faith? Which again, in this context, would have sounded crazy to any Jewish person. Really, Paul? Circumcision counts for nothing? And Paul is like, yes, when it comes to your relationship with God, it doesn't, because he's going to say the very same thing later in Galatians 6.15. Galatians 6.15, he says, For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. But a new creation. See, when you have faith in Jesus, you become a new creation that is able to live for what matters most. You want to have the right understanding between faith and works, between what you believe and trust and what you do, until God has made you a new person in Christ. But look at what Paul does here. Because this is kind of important. Because he has been talking about circumcision, and we get that circumcision cannot add any value to Christ or to our faith. We get that. But why does he talk about uncircumcision? Is it perhaps because Paul knows how people think? He knows what we like to do. He knows that we are prone to boast in ourselves and become self-righteous, thinking we are better than other people, not only because of what we do, but also because of what we don't do. In other words, to avoid having the Gentile Christians think that because they are not circumcised, that God is going to be happier with them, Because they might be tempted to have this attitude of, look at us. We're not the ones trusting in circumcision. Paul shows them that whether you're circumcised or not means nothing. And that's part of the problem, isn't it? Because people can think that a faith that matters before God is a faith that does not do what other people do, and then think God must like them better. Which is like saying, I don't drink alcohol like those people do. So if you think about it, God must be happier with me. I don't go to church where they speak in tongues and do all these crazy things. So God must be happier with me. And what Paul wants to get at is that true saving faith is not a self-righteous faith. It's not a faith that says we only trust in Jesus, but then take the stuff we don't do like the other people do and use that to make us more acceptable to God. Because he's trying to show them what does count by showing them what doesn't count. And so you can maybe notice that you are getting the relationship between faith and works wrong if somehow you think you are better than other people based on what you don't do. I think I shared this, this with you guys before, this illustration, but I remember that when I became a new creation, when I became a Christian, this new born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that I had questions about baptism. I had lots of questions about baptism. I was wrestling with the issue of whether babies can be baptized or not. And I met with this pastor from an, an Afrikaans church here in the east of Pretoria, and he was kind enough to meet with me and explain to me why they believe that babies can be baptized. 
And the more he explained, the more I became convinced in that moment that infant baptism was not what the Bible actually teaches. And for a few moments there, I had these kind of self-righteous thoughts that at least I'm not off track on baptism like these guys are. So thank you God for opening my eyes to the truth. Having a sense of feeling superior to this man who has been a Christian for many, many years longer than I have. And so the point is, I don't improve my account with God. Whether I am baptized as a child or as someone that is older, what is important is if I'm trusting in Jesus alone for my salvation. Because what you believe impacts what you do and how you relate to other people. And when we are self-righteous, we are not trusting in the righteousness that we have in Christ because we end up trusting in how different we are from these other people. God must love me and be happy with me because I don't use bad language like those people do. I don't get to work late all the time like those guys do. But then to bring clarity to this issue between faith and works, Paul now makes a comparison. He says, A faith that works is not a self-righteous faith, but a self-sacrificing faith. Which is point number two. A faith that works is a loving faith. A faith that works is a loving faith. He says, but. But. And so when you see but, you see comparison. Contrast. But faith working through love. Paul just said that neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. So then you must ask, what does count, Paul? What does count? And he says, the only thing, the only kind of faith that is worth anything is the kind of faith that expresses itself through love. It's believing and trusting that you are so forgiven, having peace with God, and so free from the power of sin, the power of guilt, and the power of selfishness, that you overflow in deeds of love towards those around you. See, and the word working is important. Because the word working can be understood as working itself out. Working itself out. In other words, based on what you believe, your faith is causing you to do certain things. It's working itself out in practical ways. Because a faith that is alive doesn't just sit around waiting for Jesus to come back and does nothing. A faith that is alive, that is trusting... Because it is a faith that goes hand in hand with love. It's a faith that works itself out in loving, sacrificial, selfless deeds because your heart is so in worship because of the love you have been shown in Christ yourself. Now think about it this way. When you see the emergency people show up at a scene with the ambulance, what is the first thing they do to see whether someone is alive or not? They take their pulse, right? They check for a pulse. And one way we can see that someone is spiritually alive is because you see them loving God and loving other people in practical ways. 
Because love is the pulse of true saving faith. Love is the pulse of true saving faith. But this doesn't mean that we are justified by faith plus love. That's not what Paul's saying. And this is important. Paul is not saying faith. But when the Bible speaks of justification, it never, it never speaks about being justified by the way we love. It always says that we are justified by faith alone. But what Paul's trying to say is that faith is never alone. Yes, we are saved by faith alone, but that faith is never alone. Martin Luther said it well. He says, he who wants to be a true Christian or to belong to the kingdom of God must be truly a believer. But, but, he does not truly believe if works of love do not follow his faith. Now, where have you heard that before? Maybe that sounds a bit like what the Apostle James would say, right? James 2. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you say to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things need for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith. And I have works, like there's two different camps for this. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe. We know that, right? Even the demons have theology. And they shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless. And then he brings Abraham in as well. Abraham is such a good example, isn't he? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see, that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. And then verse 24 is the one that throws us for a loop. And you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Whoa! James, are you contradicting Paul? I thought it's faith alone. But if you understand the context of what James is saying, that these guys are, are talking about salvation by grace through faith alone, yes, but they have a different sense of talking about justification, that you might be thinking that they're saying something different. But as we understand Galatians 5, 6 and James 2, then we realize that the apostles are actually saying the very same thing. That we are not justified by what we do, but because we are justified by faith alone, we have a faith that works and does stuff. 
James is saying you cannot say that you believe in Jesus and then not have the, the sacrificial love toward other people. Because when God opens your eyes to the truth and transforms your heart, then it leads to a, having a faith that believes God will raise your son from the dead if you sacrifice on the, on the altar because you obey what God has told you to do. And the thing is, only a working faith can bring real freedom. Only a faith that works through love can bring us to the place of true freedom because we're doing what we are made to do. We are most free when we trust in God that we are filled with His love and thus enabled to love others with that same kind of love. But a heart that is set on the flesh and its own desires tries to satisfy the emptiness it feels by taking on more, by trying to do more. Like taking on a week of fasting because after this week of fasting you sense you have achieved something. But a heart that is set on faith on trusting God in how He expresses your love to others is a heart that longs for the joy of seeing God glorified for enabling you to love someone else. Because what matters most is what Jesus is doing. Not what you're doing. Because if you trust in Jesus, that causes you to love other people, then you are more concerned about what Jesus is accomplishing through you then what you are accomplishing through you. Because that's what love is. We love other people when we stop using them for our own, filling up our own emptiness, when we stop using them to satisfy our own selfishness, but we rather find joy in helping to meet their needs. Because look at what faith does. Faith tells us that Christ died for our sins, right? 1 Corinthians 15.3 For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according with the Scriptures. Which means our faith in Jesus takes care of the feelings of guilt we have. Because one of the reasons we don't love other people is because we are so consumed with our own guilt. We have pity parties and we're the only ones invited. But the heart of true saving faith is able to love because, as Ephesians 1, 7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. And so think about it. Faith also takes away our fear. Because we know what is coming, Right? We already said that we are eagerly longing for Jesus to come back and make us fully perfect. So that means we can be confident because as Isaiah 64, 4 says, we wait for God who acts or who works for those who wait for Him. Who acts for those who wait for Him. He is working everything for my good and His glory, Romans 8, 28. And that frees me from the fear of not doing what I was made to do. Being so paralyzed by the uncertainties of the future 
that it hinders me from loving the person in front of me. But then faith also sets me free from greed and selfishness. To be like Moses, Hebrews 11.26, who considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. He was looking forward. And so saving faith takes away the obstacles that prevent me to love other people the way God wants me to love them. Because it's when I feel guilty that I become self-centered and depressed, not allowing us to see the need right in front of me. Because I'm so consumed with my own thoughts. Or we keep keep talking about other people and their sins so that we minimize our own sin. Is it not fear that keeps us from going up to new people at church or causes us to rush out the door as soon as the service is over? Is it not fear and greed that causes us to hold on to our resources rather than letting it flow for the advancement of God's kingdom? The gospel takes away the barriers to loving other people because true saving faith is a faith that works through love. And this is where things get pretty exciting if you think about it. Because if we get the relationship between faith and works right, because what is it what causes someone to, to walk up to a stranger they don't know and talk to them and even give it into spiritual conversations with them? What is it that causes someone to leave the comforts of the city life to go and reach people in the village? What is it that will give you the desire and confidence to give your money to the church when you haven't done that before? What is it that will motivate you to invite your neighbor to church? What is it that will cause you to admit that you have been looking at inappropriate stuff on the internet and that you need help with that? Is it not, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.14, the love of Christ that controls us? The love of Christ that controls us. When God moves into your heart and He gives you a new appetite for doing these acts of love because faith in Jesus produces love for Jesus. Because I love how one man says it. He says, in acts of love, Listen carefully. In acts of love, we feel the power of God conquering our sin, conquering Satan, and transforming the world. And if that's true, then no wonder, Paul says, that whatever you are doing, whether it's circumcision or not, it doesn't matter. What matters is what God is doing through His redeemed people, because He is busy transforming the world through people who have a faith that works through love. God created you to make Him the main person in the room. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
What Paul is making clear in Galatians is that you can't do the works of Jesus that God created before the foundations of the world without faith in Jesus. I mean, the food you take to Maquena and Garakai because they have just had a new baby, that matters because it matters to Jesus. The prayer you prayed in faith for someone else this week matters because it matters to Jesus. The clothes you didn't buy this month because you rather wanted to give that money towards church planning matters to Jesus because before the world was even made, before you were even in it, Jesus already knew that He would die that you can do it. So that you can overflow with love to those around you because He is flowing through you. It's like when you go to a braai maybe at someone's house and there's always all these leftovers, right? All this leftover meat and no one is fighting to get the scraps of the meat that is left over because there's so much left. People then bring their plastic containers and they fill up all the leftovers and they take it home. Everyone has enough. And when Jesus is the one hosting the braai, you can be sure there's more than enough for everyone. He is the one that is at the center of the universe and He is taking care of His people. And by believing in that and trusting in that, we can have new hearts that are looking to share all the abundance we have in Christ. Because the environment to express this love is in community. There's no such thing as doing Christianity on your own. You're not able to love, work, have a faith that works through love if you're on your own. I mean, that's what Paul's going to say later in Galatians 6.10. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Let us do good to everyone. And especially to the household of faith. If you're not positioning your life in such a way that you can love other people... You are making privacy an idol. You are making your personal comfort an idol. It might be that your faith is in fact a self-righteous faith. And not a loving faith. What stands in the way of me loving other people like me, who are different from me, is me. And that's why you need to be crucified with Christ. In fact, turn to Matthew 25 for a moment if you can in your Bibles. It'll be up on the screen as well. And look what Jesus says regarding loving other people, considering the final judgment that is coming. Matthew 25, and we'll read in verse 31. Now the Son of Man comes in His glory. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, and the goats on the left. Then the King will say to those on the right, Come! 
You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you and naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. I love what God is saying here. Because what is the response of the righteous person? Someone that knows that he is right with God because of faith in Jesus doesn't bring all the good things he did in loving other people before God so that he or she can be justified before God on the final judgment day. This person overflows with the love of Christ because they loved on other people in practical ways without even thinking this will earn them anything before God. It's a natural response of the righteous person to love other people. And when they were loving on other people, they were loving Jesus. Because true saving faith results in so much selflessness that it results in people doing what God has made them to do. But, but Jesus keeps on speaking, doesn't He? Then He will say to those on His left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you didn't clothe me. Sick in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked and sick in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And here's the thing. Some people will look at the loaf of bread they gave to the guy at the robot or the bag of clothes they left at the baby home and think that is what makes them right with God. And others will be getting so worked up about trying to figure out who should get the loaf of bread and who shouldn't get the loaf of bread, what is the right way to do it, what's not the right way to do it, that they don't give the loaf of bread to anyone. And we recognize we all need wisdom on how to care for people who are in need. But what Paul makes clear where it all starts is having true faith in Jesus. Recognizing what God has done for you, which guides you and what you do for others. Because when people are living for what matters most, it causes people to rejoice, to talk about, it caused Paul to rejoice and talk to God about it. 
You see that in 1 Thessalonians 1.3. He said to the church in Thessalonica, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you think, what is causing Paul to want to talk to God? To be in worship of God? When he hears what's going on in the church, he says it's their work of faith. Their labor of love. Their sweat and suffering in the way these people were loving each other, but they were doing it with a steadfast hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, which means it was their faith in Jesus that caused them to be so radical in the way they loved one another that it fueled the worship of the Apostle Paul in prayer. Because if we understand the relationship between faith and works, it results in us living for what matters most. We don't insist what counts the most is what view you have on the end times. Whether we are dispensational or covenantal. What matters is faith working through love. It's not whether you are baptized, a Baptist or a Presbyterian, but faith working through love. It's not whether we sing songs in all these different African languages or not, but faith working through love. And nothing is more important to God than His precious Son. And when your faith is in His Son, it causes you to love other people that brings Him glory. And one of the ways we show our love for each other is by coming to church and worshiping Him together. To strengthen our faith that is sometimes so weak so we don't fall into the self-righteous faith thinking we are better than other people. To strengthen our faith so that we don't make our own personal comfort our idol. Faith working through love is seen when God's people gather together and their witness of how they love each other matters to God because that is the way He's building His kingdom. And so what do you believe? Is your faith in Jesus causing you to love other people? Is Jesus the most important person in the room of your heart? Is He the center of your universe? Because let me remind you of Paul's words to the Romans as we close here. Romans 6.22 But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. And its end. So beautiful. As we wait, we get to love. And as we love, it carries us to the end. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Does that truth 
change the way you love other people. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that we don't believe in ourselves. We're not holding on to how well we did this week. We're not holding on to trying to look at our lives and think we're different from other people because of what we don't do and think that makes us better before you. We thank you that we can look at the cross. We can look at Jesus Christ dying in our place. We can see the love of God through the cross and through Jesus Christ dying in our place. And that changes the way we think about ourselves, about others. It changes the way we think about our guilt. It changes the way we think about fear, about greed, and all these things that hinder us from loving the people and, what, and doing it in a way that you created us to do it for. And so Father, help us to make you the center of our lives. Make the truth of the gospel the center of our lives, that we can be these agents of love to those around us. Being so captivated by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, that we get excited that He is loving other people through us. And we don't love anyone to try and earn your love. We love because you have first loved us. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.